1: Welcome to the Smallville Gazette, a PoppyChuloRadio.com Radio.com original series, Papychulo Radio, Pop Culture on Demand. Today is Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. 2222. Two, two, two. And I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CWs, Superman and Lois. Please welcome my co-hosts, Professor X. Hello everyone. And Millie Wood. Hello, Smallville let's jump into our discussion of season two episode four which was titled the inverse method and aired february 1st 2022 here's the official synopsis of the episode lois and chrissy are on a mission to find lois's sister lucy and jonathan and jordan become more and more unsettled as clark's painful visions continue meanwhile lana Kyle and Sarah share a family breakfast and discuss Sarah's upcoming quinceanera. Natalie and her father share a bonding moment. Okay, this is one of those situations where whoever wrote the press release probably didn't watch the entire episode. First of all, there was no breakfast. There was a serious conversation between the Cushings. And I guess Natalie and her father did bond at the start of the episode for like maybe five seconds. And then all hell broke loose. So (laughs) there's that. Uh, Millie Wood, the CW should hire you to write the official synopsis for each episode. I'm just saying, you'd do a better job. I, I trust and believe in you. Okay, so let's talk about this episode. Pre-recording listeners, a little BTS. I was telling to our very own Millie Wood that I found this episode to be pretty dark, and Millie Wood was like, "What?" And we have to remember that she lives in a world of darkness and murder and and all that kind of stuff. You know, she loves death and destruction. But I found this episode to be a little dark. Um, quick little spoiler alert for the listeners: if you didn't watch the promo at the end. Uh, The uh, series is going on a two-week break because of the Winter Olympics. So, um, technically, this was a little cliffhanger episode. And uh, I will still say it was a kind of dark episode. So, let's dive deep into the darkness. And, you know what? Actually, let's not dive that deep into the darkness. Let's let's, uh, put our toe into it. Because we got an interesting start to a new storyline in this episode and uh, that storyline features jordan so jordan is with sarah and they go over to their friends um friends parents's uh grocery store and uh jordan ends up using his powers to thwart a robbery some teens are trying to steal some liquor and unfortunately he didn't realize i guess you know does he not live in the united states that there's a surveillance system in the store and so he ends up calling his grandfather to scramble the footage which he does he says it's easier than playing candy crush and so this all leads to a conversation between jordan and And uh, Papa Lane at the end of the episode, which basically Jordan is like, you know, my dad is going through a lot of stuff. We're going to go through all that stuff in a moment. You know what? Maybe you can train me so I can be there for him. And Papa Lane said yes. If this, if we had not gotten to know Sam Lane as well as we have here on this series, if we had just known the Sam Lane or if he was the same iteration of the Sam Lane from the comics, I would be hella worried, just being honest. But because we have grown to really enjoy Sam Lane, I trust him and I, I believe he's going to really do a good job of training his grandson. Now, he did say keep it secret, and we all know how secrets you know, how they end up um, just going to shit in the Arrowverse. So maybe the secret thing isn't that good. But uh, I'm actually kind of here for this storyline. I don't know if he's going to end up suiting up by the end of the season. But I'm here for some training montages. So what do you think, Millie? And did, did the storyline surprise you like it did me because i i don't know if i was necessarily anticipating this type of storyline this soon
0: it definitely took me by surprise but i think it makes sense because i was like when we think you know sam he was we said goodbye to him at the end of last season but he kept coming back even the first couple episodes i'm like what is he doing around here so i'm like oh that's why he keeps popping up um I like it. I think, it, like you said, secrets it won't end well. But it's nice to see like um, him be in a different context, and we can kind of get him outside the DOD, and and for Jordan to get some bonding time with his grandparent. Um, although for for some reason when I saw he's like I'm gonna train. I could just see him uh, not with like the superpowers, but more like training him to be like an army kid kind of. Um, so I'm kind of curious what direction he'll go, because he was like, you know, you have to check your surroundings. Um, so it's clear that Jordan doesn't even have like just the basic tactics to be
1: sneaky in general well i mean he's a teen it's not like he's gonna know you know about survey well he should know about surveillance like as in cameras in stores hello but as far as just like tactical type of surveillance you know looking over your shoulder i I mean i'm sure he might know how to look over his shoulder but he's not he doesn't really know what he's looking for he's a teen so um, I, i thought that was appropriate I still don't understand how he did not realize that he's in a store and that there are cameras in stores. I was like, huh? Professor, did that shock you? Uh, Because, I mean, he's a teen, but come on, like
2: cameras,
1: that's a surprise
2: well you know i i think that you know he's just not thinking in that mindset he's just thinking that there's something going on i'm he's just acting instinctively he's young he hasn't had that you know and again superman or any other you know more experienced hero you know who has that sense of situational awareness would think to look around and you know probably you know blast it with the heat vision uh you know before you stop them which would be a mistake because you know obviously replacing the camera would cost far more than replacing the bottle of tequila um but no i i i like that i you know again it's just showing his inexperience and his realization of his inexperience and the fact that, you know, he has to, you know, call up his grandfather for help. Um, You know, maybe he could have called his his dad or his mom. But, you know, the fact that his grandfather, you know, did have these resources and could help him, um, I think was great. You know, it gives Sam a reason to stick around for story reasons. Um, You know, he's he's an important part of the family, keeping him close, especially with the Lucy stuff that's going on, I think is good. And I really liked how it was played, you know, with, uh, you know, Jordan based realizing his dad's not in any position to, you know, be giving him the training that he needs right now. And, you know, so his grandfather can help him. And I think it'll be very interesting to to watch, as you said, those sort of training montages or whatever. But I really like the fact that at the very end of it, you just got this little smile uh, from Sam. Because, you know, it's it's a sign of him, you know, being taken in, being accepted by the family, being able to contribute something to the family, um, you know, which I, I think is really, you know, good for him because, you know, grandparents and their grandkids, uh, you know, is, is a very special relationship. So it's great that he has this connection to Jordan because he's probably would be feeling, you know, as Jordan is developing superpowers, how much different and how Jordan would be growing away from him. And this gives them a connection, which I think will be great.
1: Yeah. I agree with that. I'm here for the story. It was surprising for me just because I didn't expect it to happen so soon, but uh, I'm here for it. And I like that they're giving Sam Lane something to do that's not directly connected to either Superman or Lois. So uh, I'm here for it. Let's see where this storyline goes and let's see how, you know, how well the training is going to end up um, being, period. So let's talk about, oh, wait, before we leave this, there was a little moment of dialogue when they were in the store with their friend. I know that their last name is Anderson. I, I, I did not catch her name. But she was like, oh, you know, Ab- about, uh, about John- Jonathan. Oh, you know, he's got bad taste in women, basically. Like, oh, like, hmm, like that sort of thing. Uh, it seemed like she her interest was piqued with uh, Jonathan. So uh, there could be a, a potential new romance for Jonathan once he goes through whatever the hell this storyline is. And let's talk about it. It wasn't much of a storyline this episode, but uh, we did get Jonathan huffing the ex Kryptonite mist thing that his girlfriend is selling. The start of the storyline started off with her asking him if he had huffed it, and he basically said no. We got a little bit of a taste as to, like, what type of um, side effects or whatever you want to call it, what the experience is for people that have been doing it. Uh, super strength, uh, super hearing, sounds uh, super, man. And uh, he ends up huffing it when he's on, when he's um, you know training on the football field, and uh, I mean he becomes the MVP, 100% uh, at that game. An interesting little note: Natalie was there observing everything. She seemed to be sort of happy for him, but I would not be surprised if uh, because she was there, that Natalie is going to be the character that ends up figuring things out. Clearly, based off of what happens throughout this episode, she's going to be busy dealing with other stuff. But uh, I feel like she was there for a reason. Professor, your thoughts on Jonathan and where you think the story goes?
2: I like the fact that uh, that Jonathan, you know, at least hesitated. You know, at the end of last uh, episode, it seemed like he was just going to, you know, start huffing immediately. Uh, in this episode, we see that he is having those second thoughts. But again, it's a bit like we were saying with Jordan, you know, youth and inexperience. You know, Jonathan has really seen himself as the star quarterback. You know, it's it's how he defines himself. And when he's in a situation where he's losing out to someone who's cheating, the temptation is obviously to, you know, cheat in response to that. Um, so, I mean, you know, while I don't agree with his decision to do it. Uh, I mean, I can understand why he did what he did. Um, I think it's interesting that the superpower they chose to give him was, you know, basically, you know, supervision, which is, you know, I think we can all agree one of the... Of Superman's, you know, less uh, impressive powers, but he did manage to use it in, in an effective way. Um, but, you know, and again, you know, where are they going to use this as, you know, a, an analogy for uh, drugs uh, and addiction? Probably. I think you're right that, you know, Natalie was there as the one who will see through and see what's happening because everyone else. He is going to be so busy with their own things. You know, uh, Lois has her thing. Clark has his thing. Uh, Jordan has his thing. Uh, I think Natalie's going to be the only one uh, who's able to see, you know, what's going on with Jonathan. And, you know, the fact that we did already in this episode get the fact that, you know, his his powers, you know, were not entirely uh, under his control uh, indicates that this is, is going to be a continuing issue for him um but no i think you know it was obvious this was going to happen right you don't introduce the whole idea of you know uh jonathan the next kryptonite only for him to go you know in a sort of after school special way no i'm not going to do that of course he's going to do it uh, and uh, you know it's going to be his arc for this season so uh, i guess we'll see what happens but yeah i i you know it's, it's obviously not going to be you know sunshine and lollipops for jonathan
1: yeah i don't think so either uh, Millie Wood, I don't know if you have anything to add in regards to this. It was such a small storyline in this episode, uh, but uh, your thoughts on everything Jonathan this episode?
0: You know, I just feel like everyone in the Clark or the Kent family just made some dumb decisions this week, and Jonathan's at the top of that. Um, I like, I. Do the professor saying, like, yeah, it's going to be his arc? But I was rooting for him when he was like, no, I don't need it. And then when he took it, I was disappointed. But obviously he needs, like, storylines. So but I see where it's going. It will be interesting because we're starting to see, like, how he reacts to it. So I'm wondering, like, if it's just going to, like, short-circuit him every time he uses it oh. or, like, evolve. So I think that would be also interesting um, to see.
1: Yeah, I think. What will be interesting, if they end up going this route, because it sounds like basically by by what his girlfriend said, like everyone has a particular thing that um, it enhances. It'd be interesting if every time he huffs it, it's something different. And that could be a hint of uh, potential powers that he may already have, or like dormant powers that are being awakened buy it if they are going to go in the direction that he's going to get powers. So, um stay tuned, I guess. Um, but speaking of uh, familial stuff, uh, let's get into the Cushings, because good grief. Um, we had a storyline that went in a very mature direction, and then we took a turn on Main Street, down into an area of town that I did not even recognize. And um, I I just, I don't know, I don't know what this means. Well, I mean, I know what it means, but I mean, I don't know where we're going to go from here. But I feel like some serious conversations. So let's get into it. The Cushings in this episode, um, they have to deal with Lana running for mayor. And it seems as if Mayor Dean, he's doing a little digging. He's digging around for some dirt on his opponent. And word on the street is that he's digging into Sarah and her suicide attempt. And this that or the other. So the grown-up Cushings have a talk where, you know, this this might break Sarah, she's come so far, this, that, the other, but when they actually talk to Sarah about it, she's like, you know, bring it. You know, yes, it was a cry for despair, this, is the other, but if he's going to talk shit about me, I'll be happy to go on stage and talk shit about him, is basically what she said. And so when they confront the man on Main Street. He basically is like, oh, no, 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 children, they're, they're off limits. They're off limits. But, you know, I've been hearing about you, Kyle, and you might like your your tequila neats, but you're kind of messy. And that leads to Kyle. He had a look on his face. We all know what the hell that means. He goes down to the old dive bar when he was drunk because he's sober now. And uh, it turns out it looks like... It looks like he had some sort of relationship with the lady barkeep. Dun, dun, dun. She grabbed his arm. She, or his hand, I should say. She knew his drink. I miss you. And all that type of shit. And he's basically like, we got to talk about this. Millie Wood, you have not been the biggest Kyle fan. I feel like you have been going back and forth and back and forth with every episode. Like, sometimes you like him. And then sometimes he pisses you off. Did Kyle actually really cheat on Lana? Like, how dare he, first of all? And second of all, Kyle cheated on Lana, right? There's no other reason. (laughs) You would go to that bar and have to talk to
0: a female bartender if he didn't have some kind of relationship with her. Um, So yes, definitely he did. Uh, And it makes sense, like, based on what we've gathered the type of character kyle is and we know we've had he's had drinking problems and clearly ego issues so i feel like it makes sense that he, you know might have had a affair at one point um it definitely puts him you know he last week and, and the week before he was slowly getting you know climbing the, very slowly the ranks of being in this good side of my books uh but he definitely went like way over the other side like I, like, facepalm emojied um, mm. when I saw that. I just uh, – I don't really like the term for him because, you know, I just – Lana deserves a quality partner, and I feel like he is just so unpredictable, Um, and this kind of further shows it. But, you know, maybe you were wrong, and he was just friends with this bartender, but
1: uh, I highly doubt that. Oh, yes, friends with benefits, you mean. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Professor – We've grown to like Kyle. And uh he cheated on Lana. Because clearly he did not go to that bar just to hold that lady's hand, right?
2: Well, no, obviously. And you know, the you know, you're always supposed to tip your uh bartender, but I think he may have taken that in the wrong way. Um uh I, I think yeah, it is it it's it's a damn shame, but You know, this is going to be something that, you know, this is something that happened in the past. It's clear that he went through a period of time when he was drinking too much, when he was hanging out at that bar. And, yeah, he obviously, you know, uh, was messing around uh, with the the bartender. Um, Now, the question is, what will be the impact of that? You know, will this, you know, uh, will this break up the Cushing family? I don't think so. Will it cause a lot of unpleasantness and unpleasant questions? Yeah. Will it derail uh, you know, Lana's uh, candidacy, probably not. I think maybe it would be, you know, a threat to release this information. Uh, and, you know, Lana will have to go through a long dark night of the soul in order to, uh, to realize that, you know, the sleazy mayor can't be allowed to win this way. Um mm. But yeah, I do find it disappointing that, you know, Kyle has done this, but this was the previous Kyle. And remember, none of us liked Kyle at the beginning, so this probably happened back in the time when we didn't like Kyle. Uh, we like him now, and, you know, as long as he's, you know, got his act together uh, and, uh, you know, is, is behaving properly, uh, then, you know, it's, it's, it, it's not as bad as if it was an ongoing thing. True. Now, if
1: they end up having a love child, Would we still look kindly onto Kyle?
2: No, but I I don't think there's any indication of the existence of a love child at this point.
1: All right. Just asking. And can we all agree that Sarah's reaction was incredibly mature and
2: not dramatic at all? Oh, definitely. I mean, exactly what you would hope for and expect uh, from the Sarah that we've come to know, uh, you know, someone who has. And it's, it really it gets back to what uh, Lana was saying earlier, that she's stronger than you realize, uh, you know, she's stronger than she was in the past. Uh, and her, you know, sort of, you know, um, uh, her, her understanding of that and her, her willingness to guess if he wants to go down in the dirt, I'll go down in the dirt. Uh, as well you know i I don't think this is going to hurt her and and i honestly think this was just a red herring to sort of show that you know uh so kyle's you know concern over you know the possibility of sarah being brought into it was that masking his own fears or was it only after uh what the sleazy mayor said that kyle realized that you know his secrets coming out as well
1: Uh oh yeah
2: there was that there was that
1: speaking of secrets in the past uh we are reintroduced to Lucy Lane in this episode. We get to see Jenna Dewan in the flesh in the Arrowverse since way back in Supergirl's season 1, and that was a different Lucy Lane. This is a Christ sequence infused Lucy Lane that went down a dark path, joined a cult, And, um, yeah, I mean, she's still in it. Uh, yeah, uh, there are, I have many questions about this storyline. We're going to talk about Lucy Lane. We're going to talk about Allie Alston. Yes, we will talk about Chrissy Beppo and all of her decisions. But let's first start off with Lucy. We see Lucy five years ago when she's living with the Kents and, uh, and, and she wants to leave because she needs to go back to Allie and all this kind of stuff. And then we see her in the present day. You know, we we learn that she is a guest on this podcast that is sort of validating um, Allie Alston, making her um, relevant in the present day. We also see her one-on-one conversation with Lois and um, the uh, the meat and bones of the conversation um, it is uh, basically about what happened in the past and a betrayal that Lucy felt. But in reality, the betrayal was happening in real life because that whole conversation was being live streamed at um, Allie Alston's uh, latest uh cult meeting for lack of a better word. And and so we really basically see through that entire situation how deep Lucy is in this cult. So, Professor, let's talk about everything Lucy Lane. What did you think of Jenna DeWan returning to the role, playing a very different Lucy Lane than we remember from way back over on Supergirl? What did you think of, of both Lois and Lucy together?
2: You know, I very much preferred this version of Lucy Lane. She was such a a pointless character on Supergirl. She was basically just there to be, you know, a romantic rival. You know, for, you know, uh, uh, to to create, uh, you know, uh, anxiety for for James Olsen um, over his, his growing feelings towards Kara. And of course, that didn't work out. So we may as well stay with uh, Lucy. I, she was so she really didn't have much to do uh, as I recall, uh, back over on Supergirl. Um, so I'm really, I'm liking her. Um, I certainly don't like what she did. Um, but, uh, you know, she's, uh, she's, she's certainly holding her own, you know, going toe to toe with Bitsy Tulloch in those scenes that she had with her, both in the flashback scene and in the current scene. Um, but it is a realization of, you know, how far along she is gone that, you know, she did secretly record, You know Lois, and basically now has blackmail over her to keep her from going after Allie. Um, And you know, you know, obviously when we talk about Superman and Lois, we're always talking about family, family, family. Uh, And this is an indication of what she's willing to do to her, you know, real family uh, for her new chosen family. Uh, I think it's it's really interesting, you know, and a great way of showing. That you know she has completely gone back over to Allie, and you know it does raise the interesting question that that Lois brought up: Can you save someone who doesn't want to be saved? And I don't think you can. Wow!
1: All right, is that a bold prediction, or is that just how you're feeling during this moment?
2: Well, it's, it's realistic. I think it's going to have to be that. They're going to have to find a way to get through to Lucy so that she wants to be saved, uh, but she can't. We we often talked, you know, over on the the Supergirl podcast about how the show would you know deal with you know larger issues. I'm wondering whether this whole alley thing is is, is a quietly coded you know look at family members dealing with you know families who are you know uh, falling prey to QAnon. Ooh. This is such a cult idea that you know there's a, a wiser thing here. You know you can't deal with the family. You, you know you're you're cutting them off. It, it, it sort of feels cultish, whether it's, it's just you know, a run-of-the-mill cult or whether there is a certain uh, accuishness to it. It did strike me that you know, the, the conversation that the two of them were having is a sort of conversation that I'm sure a lot of people have been having about you just don't understand, you're not seeing the big picture, uh, you, don't, you, know, you, you don't get it. Um, and, and I'm wondering whether you know, the timing of, of this particular storyline might have something to do with you know, the larger political situation.
1: Well, there is that. But I'm sorry. If your whole bigger picture has to deal with lizard people and cannibals, then I just really have no interest in listening to or, or seeing that picture, basically. <laughs> anyway. Okay. All right. Very interesting. Millie Wood, I want to bring you into the conversation. Uh, Lucy Lane. We got her in a big way this episode. As I said, you know, we got a flashback to five years ago. And then we see her now. And um, she is deep, deep, deep in this cult.
0: She is so deep. I'm not, I'm not surprised that she's not, like, I'm surprised that she's not, like, a co-president at this point or something. Um, she
1: she yes, really buys- Most likely to succeed. <laughs> most
0: likely. Maybe, you <laughs> know, it could be a bad comment. But um, I, I really did like... Uh, like how kind of as professor said this iteration of Lucy I think is really interesting there's just more like color to her obviously you're in a cult. it's going to be a lot more interesting than um, any other version you could probably have prior um i i think it's going to be interesting to see like where this goes because as professor said like she's stubborn and she doesn't want to get helped uh is it going to be some kind of is there a catalytic event that is going to make her change her mind or is it just you know her and lois going head to head in conversation week after week um, and that'll be interesting to see where that tipping point goes or she does you know find her other side and Follows through with whatever Allie is preaching, and and she is lost forever. See <laughs> so it going that way, but um, I do think Superman Lois wants to have a happy ending for Lois, so I think she'll get her sister back eventually. Um, I really did like the the idea, and could they were the bigger commentary of maybe if just. People with conflicting ideas, but it was interesting. Kept reiterating this idea that like this is what I saw, this is what you saw. um, You know, but you have to believe me. Um, And maybe that I thought was more of a commentary on maybe like Lois and how she kind of operates just in general, because I think uh, she has to take a lot of. Assumptions and thoughts, and, and especially as she's, like, protecting other Seekers and protecting your family, uh, she does have that kind of gray line a lot, I think, in her in line of work, and um, I was wondering if that's kind of what this whole uh, storyline is also trying to highlight as well.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Okay. That's a fascinating point. And, um, well, speaking of gray lines, initially was, we were going to talk about Allie Alston next, but let's talk about Chrissy Beppo or Penelope however she's calling herself today i guess it's only penelope when you got the blonde wig on but um chrissy beppo this episode so lois calls chrissy up and is like we need to find my sister and then she hangs up um well first of all I, i will say she goes you're right And then she goes, we need to find my sister. And then she hangs up, which I was like, damn, like she didn't even wait for Chrissy Peppa to say anything. But let's be real. I think any of us would be excited if anyone that we know calls us in the middle of the day and is like, you're right. I mean, it's fantastic. I know the professor gets that like all the time. But um, Chrissy was right. And so Chrissy spent the whole night in the dark web uh, doing dark webby stuff to basically – get an invite to where Allie Alston is. Something that was fascinating, and I don't know if I saw this wrong, but when Lois shows up and she's like, oh, Chrissy, 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 and then Chrissy takes off her headphones, it looked like she was crying. She was like wiping away tears. But Lois never says anything about it, and Chrissy doesn't even acknowledge it. And it was strange. And I don't know if I just imagined it or if I looked at it wrong, but it looked like she was wiping away tears. So I initially I thought that she was going to say that she had been listening to the podcast that Lucy was involved in and, and that sort of thing. But it seemed like it was nothing. So maybe it was nothing. Maybe uh, maybe it was just that she was tired and so she was wiping her eyes. I don't know. But it looked a little strange. Anywho, Chrissy Peppa was very strange in this episode anyway. Um, Chrissy Beppo decides to uh, go undercover, wear a blonde wig, be Penelope, her dark web personality, and um, you know, basically see if she can find Lucy at this seminar that Allie Alston is doing. Allie knew who she was. She called her out. She was talking about deceit and liars, and she correlated that with Lois your mentor, and then that's when the live stream ended up happening of what Lois and Lucy were discussing. And the whole discussion was about an element of Lucy's experience with the cult that did not make it to print. It was something that sounded fantastical and insane. Lucy basically says that she saw, you know, her other self, and this, that, or the other, (laughs) and whatever and, and and Lois attributes that to the fact that you know she had ingested substances and that maybe she was dying and that sort of thing now Chrissy ends up being kind of shooketh and in her feelings because Lois didn't share this with her and by the end of the episode Lois is calling and apologizing to Chrissy and then all of a sudden Chrissy calls up Allie Alston and is like I need you to tell me everything about Lois and Allie does a demonic smirk I will also say in the flashback uh, Lois ends up calling her a parasite I'm just saying there's an you know an Alston in the comics that's named parasite but whatever what the hell was this storyline? I'm very confused. In the back of my mind, I'm hoping, I'm begging that Chrissy is going like deep undercover, even though she herself said in this episode, well, they didn't teach about going undercover in journalism school. We'll ask that with the professor in, in a moment. Millie Wood, I'm going to get your take on it first. Um, what is going on with Chrissy? Uh, what did you think of the storyline? Should we be worried about what Chrissy Beppo is doing? I was very
0: confused by by Chrissy's actions, especially the end. I I feel like it could go both ways. Like she and we have seen that build up. I mean, she was very um, hurt that. Lois didn't tell her anything prior and also already questioning Lois and her not wanting to get in front of the story, Um, you know, since this was her storyline since, you know, the start of the season, Uh, so I could see it being, like, Lois has deceived her and not giving her the truth, so she also, just the way that the actress had played it when Allie was kind of giving her spiel, um, it looked like she was, was maybe starting to buy into it a little bit, I thought, or at least it Yes,
1: somewhat. it looked like she was chugging the Kool-Aid, not even just sipping the Kool-Aid. She was, like, chugging it down.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so I don't know if that was on purpose or um, just happened to just, again, maybe it is this... Other, the other, upper, you know, on the flip side, it could just be this big elaborate thing that Chrissy had come up with to go undercover without Lois knowing because uh, we know how Lois feels about the cult and the danger of it. So she probably wouldn't want Chrissy to even like be near it, be near Allie, because it you could get suck it, sucked into it pretty easily. Um, so I, I do wonder and I kind of hope it's the steep undercover uh, route as well, but I could see it, you know this is how, again, this beliefs and, and, you know, you don't have to be a certain type of person to like buy into ideas. It's, it shows the persuasion that Allie Allison has um, on people and not just because, uh, you know, Chrissy's a reporter and everything like that, but she can also um, just, if it's all packaged correctly, buy into it. So I think that's going to be a very intriguing route if they go that way. Um, again, I hope not, but there, there's a lot there to unpack in a, I don't know how I feel. I think that they're going to give a lot for poor Lois to deal with both. Chrissy maybe going down this route as well as having to deal with Lucy and then Allie uh, just being very smart and ahead of everything.
1: Yeah. My hope beyond hope is that this is Christy, as you said, deciding to go deep undercover without telling Lois. Because if this isn't, I'm just I, – I, like, I don't I like know if I can – approve of this. It just seems wrong. But that whole argument, Professor, I thought was so extreme and so overly dramatic. And maybe this is part of Chrissy's if 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 we are gonna headcanon that Chrissy is going deep undercover without telling Lois then that's the only way that I can explain it away because it was just such a stupid argument. Like, you didn't tell me about that, and you don't trust me. I'm like, you just barely knew about what the hell's going down with Lucy like a week ago. Like, that whole element that was added into, you know, about what Lucy experienced is kind of nuts. Like, I don't see how... I don't see why Chrissy should have been offended by Lois omitting that in, in such a way that she was offended, Professor. Your take on everything, Chrissy Beppo? Did she really chug the Kool Aid? Is she deep undercover? And um,
2: what'd you think of the wig? Uh, the wig was very good. You know, Chrissy makes a, a very fetching blonde. Um, although I did like it when she took the uh, the wig off and went back to uh, her normal look. Um, I, I doubt that, I, I mean, I can't imagine she would have chugged the Kool-Aid unless we are going to argue that Allie does have supernatural powers because we heard what Chrissy heard and it was just nonsense. It was, you know, TED Talk level, you know, nonsense, you know, and, and Chrissy, I'm, I'm sure, is too smart to fall for that. Um, on the other hand, smart people join cults all the time. Um, I think you know you're, 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 what you were saying about uh, you know chrissy uh you know her reaction to Lois, I think what you have to understand is a couple of things. one is that Chrissy idolized lois Lois is a pulitzer prize winning reporter she's you know one of the most famous reporters in the world, and so Chrissy, as this you know small town uh you know newspaper owner you know uh is is obviously you know there there's been you know a, a certain amount of fangirling that we saw. Last season, we haven't seen as much this season because they're being portrayed more as as equals as they are co-owners. Uh, but what Chrissy has found out in this episode is that Lois shacked the bed in a big way. She did two things in her story that she shouldn't have done. She uh, she should not have covered the story in the first place because she had an interest in that story. She was not doing that story for the sake of uncovering the truth. She was doing that story. To get Allie, which is what she admitted. Uh, And you can't do a story when you are doing a story in order to prove a point. That's not your job as a journalist. Um, So I think that was, you know, a a bit of these these scales falling from uh, uh, from Chrissy's eyes. So I think there could be, you know, an, an explanation of that. Uh, And as for the idea of uh, Chrissy going, you know, deep undercover, that's also a journalistic no-no. And, you know, even, you know, like for Chrissy to, you know, put on the Penelope uh, costume and go there, that was just to spot Lois's sister. She wasn't there covering the story, claiming to be someone else, because that is unethical. Uh, you know you 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 know one of the things you have to do as a journalist is identify yourself uh, you know to potential sources you can't just you know go in there and and listen and then report that stuff you have to get permission from people to go on the record you have to you know uh, you know the, the idea and everyone has this idea of you know journalists going undercover all the time no they don't um, it, it's um, it's virtually unheard of uh, you know and as as Chrissy said we didn't cover this in my journalism school there's a very good reason for that it's completely unethical um, so my feeling is that Chrissy is you know if Chrissy is going in to find this out. I mean she has identified herself, you know Allie knows who Chrissy is. Chrissy is going in there, and she is going to hear out what Allie has to say and honestly, we don't know whether she you know swallowed the kool aid or or whatever, but you know Chrissy is actually going about this in the right way. You identify yourself, you arrange to go and interview uh the person uh that you're you're interested in or that you're doing the story about, and you do everything in an open and above board way so um no, that's not as dramatic as you know uh, going undercover to 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 bust a cult. But you know Lois did screw up, and I think part of you know Chrissy's reaction to to that is finding out that her hero had you know feet of clay. Uh, you know that that she had cut corners, that she had done things that weren't exactly journalistically uh, acceptable. And I think that that's a, a you know a terrible realization for Chrissy. A that you know the person you uh, worshipped and idolized was like that, and B the person who owns half your business did that. Ooh, that's not a good feeling.
1: Okay, you brought a whole bunch of journalistic integrity stuff into the mix, which I do understand I still didn't think it was that big of a deal, but I don't know now that you're saying that it's not, it's not a part of journalistic integrity for her to go deep undercover now I'm hella worried that she's drinking the kool-aid, which I, I she's
2: think not I mm-hmm. she is just going and she she's not posing as someone else okay, okay okay, she's going Name. Allie knows who she is, so there 's no undercover involved now when she 's there that doesn 't mean she has to do what Lois would do and say you 're full of shit she's she can sit here and nodding the, the way I would smile and nod you don 't go in there judging you don't you don 't go in there prejudging you don 't go in there you know with your uh, you know uh, preconceived notions you go in there and you interview them and you find out what they say so she 's infiltrating yes, I think okay. as long as you do it. The problem with infiltration is, again, it makes it sound like you're a spy and you're hiding your identity. And as I say, that's something you're not supposed to do as a journalist. You're supposed to identify yourself as a journalist right off the start. She's infiltrating with a name tag. Exactly. Okay.
1: All right. Um, Okay. So the professor calmed me down a little bit with Chrissy Beppo, but there's a part of me that now, at least for the next two weeks, will be thinking about her. Fully chugging the Kool-Aid. And I hope that she hasn't. Let's talk about Allie Alston as this villain in this storyline that's involving Lois. So she's got the glasses. She's got that, you know, businesswoman haircut. Um, We see her at the start, you know, because we pick up exactly where we left off. At the diner. And, uh, you know, there are words expressed by both Allie and uh, and Lois. Basically, Lois is like, I'm going to take your ass down. And we see that Allie was there in the diner with her minions. Like, the rest of the people in that diner were her peoples. We also see her do her little spiel. Everyone's kind of eating it up. It did look like Chrissy Beppo was eating it up, too. Um, but But we did get interesting... Bits of uh, nuggets of um, what the hell this inverse society is. Uh, Sort of, kind of, but not really. Like, we just got little hints of it. And part of me wonders... Okay, follow this. We have an inverse Superman. And now we have an inverse society. We have Lucy, who is 100% convinced that she saw an Inverse version of herself. Are these two storylines, the Bizarro Superman and the Inverse Society, going to meet up at a certain point? I wonder. If not... Are we to believe anything Lucy said in regards to seeing an alternate version of herself? Is yeah, it, are we going to get some sort of explanation as to how that possibly happened, Professor?
2: I don't know. The, the problem is, you know, from a history of science viewpoint, you know, every time someone starts talking about, you know, well, you can't understand what I've seen. I go back to, you know, Wilhelm Flint more than 100 years ago, arguing that, you know, that's why you can't have subjectivity in science. You know, you can't report what something feels like or tastes like. Science has to be about things that are measurable and, and things like that. So, you know, Lucy is saying this was my experience. You didn't experience it. So you can't judge me on it. Um, and maybe she did experience something, but people experience near-death experiences. And and stuff like that all the time, um, you know, that can just be the way your brain is playing tricks or she might have been on drugs or maybe Allie has powers and was manipulating her. We don't know. Um, but that's the problem with with anything subjective like that. Um But really, you know, you know, the idea of this is a cult, it's no different from, you know, transubstantiation in the Catholic Church or, you know, anything else that, you know, people believe or Zimu coming down. You know, if you're a Scientologist, you know, there are all these crazy things that people believe and they're only crazy from outside, you know, from, you know, sort of an objective thing. What's a little bit you know different is that Ali does seem to be presenting this as more of a Keith Ranier, Nexium kind of, you know, self-empowerment system. But, you know, I think we're going to have to find out more. Um, and, uh, you know, does it mean that, you know, Allie has powers? God, I, I really hope not. I, I would like her to just be, you know, more normal, um, but possibly, you know, drugging people so that they have visions uh, and are confused uh, or something along those lines. Um, I don't really know. I did find it, you know, really interesting that in that first scene with Allie, you know, it turns out she had four guys there in the bar, in the, uh, the, co- the coffee shop to back her up. I do question, you know, and again, this is obviously just, you know, storytelling shorthand, but the fact that she was able to, you know, call up the live feed at exactly the moment when, uh, when Lois was confessing her misdeed, mm-hmm. uh, that seemed a little, uh, either she has superpowers or that's just really convenient editing.
1: It might be the hair, you know, it's like Spidey senses. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Millie Wood, uh. Allie Alston. What did you think of her? Where do you think this goes? And, and did you believe Lucy? I really like Allie. I think I mentioned it last
0: week, but she just plays like this really smart, cunning, uh, crazy cult
1: leader. Well, um, did you like her little smile after Chrissy Beppo called her? Yes.
0: Yeah, so it's just like the smile. And even when she was like meeting with Lois, just the small things and, and the way the actress carries herself, just it screams somebody that, is in power um, and not like I have like power powers, but like just, she has power of influence. Um, and I think that's just really well played there. Um, going to like, if I believe in Lucy, I, I do wonder, like when she first said, like I almost connected and saw the, like another version of me, I was wondering if that would maybe somehow tie into like the crisis timeline and seeing like past timeline selves, mm-hmm. And that might, like, like what uh ali is tapping into or they've discovered that because of all the changes um th- that's where my mind went but I-, I don't think they would go that route because it can get really messy that way um but i feel like it's inevitable you have the inverse society and the bizarro superman uh i feel like or at least i like when shows they seemingly really different and i think you know, a couple seasons on some of of Usher, Arrowverse Arrow First shows do this well as they seemingly different storylines come in together. I think Legend does it really well. So um I could see Superman and Lois taking that route where they let Clark and Lois go on their own journeys, but the end I, they have to be tied together, um, for some reason because I feel like everything is somehow interconnected at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, that's It's an interesting point to think about. I don't know if both of these stories are going to end up meeting up at some point during this season. But it's just strange that we're dealing with, in essence, an inverse Superman. And then all of a sudden, we have an actual inverse society. And they're talking about seeing other versions of themselves. And now we have uh, Superman dealing with a different version of himself. It's a little strange, and and maybe it's just, you know, the paralleling stories, and that's what the writers wanted to do, but I, I do wonder if somehow, I have no idea how Allie Alston would be involved in the Bizarro of it all. Um, it could be Trey Bizarre that she gets involved in that, but I don't know. Uh, we'll have to wait and see if anything ends up happening with that, speaking of Bizarro, let's talk about it. So Clark continues to experience visions of Bizarro. Uh, well, not visions of Bizarro, but he can um, see what Bizarro is seeing. We see that uh, the feeling is mutual. Bizarro can see what Clark is seeing. There is a fight that goes on between Clark and Bizarro on the Kent farm. Steel ends up um, summoning his hammer uh, without his suit on, so ouch. Uh, but that does break the fight up, and um, Bizarro flies away. I will say Bizarro is wearing a little necklace, and it looked like it was either charging or uh, absorbing Superman's Essence-ish? I don't know. Maybe one of you can explain what that was. Um, So Clark ends up, or Superman, ends up asking Anderson for help. Uh, Basically, Steel had figured out a way to track Bizarro based off of the energy signature from the necklace. And Superman tells Anderson, call me, you know, when you find anything. He doesn't. He sends the Superman of America, and two of them get murked. Tag is alive. Superman ends up saving him. Tag snatches the necklace, and then we get a spectacular fight sequence between Superman, Bizarro, Steel, a snowy tundra. Uh, Steel ends up sending all of his energy that, that the suit barely had to the hammer and ends up knocking um, Bizarro. It, look, it also looked like it shattered the hammer. Superman is okay, but Steel isn't, because Bizarro ends up crashing into him and sends him flying back and all that sort of thing. At the end of the episode... Steel, well, Bizarro, it kind of um, gets uh, uh, hurt, I would assume, because Superman lets him have it. He's like, you hurt my fucking friend, I'm hurt your ass. So he flings him to Australia or some shit. And uh, he ends up taking Steel to the DoD, and by the end of the episode, Steel was breathing on his own. But clearly... Um, You know, he was really hurt by what happened. Um, Since I'm mentioning Steel, there was a little small little moment earlier in the episode where Steel and Natalie were bonding over the suits and her, um, she's going to help him fix it up and all that sort of thing. By the end of the episode, Natalie was like, you're supposed to keep him safe. She was saying that to Superman. So, Millie. Let's talk about everything Bizarro, everything Steel, everything Superman. Uh, Were you surprised that two of uh, Anderson's uh, super minions got murked? And what did you think of the necklace? I mean, clearly it's not just an accessory. It's there for a reason. And what did you think was going on with that?
0: I'm surprised that, yeah, that two of the team members did die, cause aren't they also still, like, kids, or somewhat young, so it feels, I guess that's the dark part of the episode, <laughs> is that they did um, die, but conveniently, Tag did not. Um, I think the necklace, at least I thought it was, like, it power Bizarro Superman, um, but I don't know, but I feel like it's significant that, uh, I guess it's now in Anderson's possession, um, and we got that Clark is a little bit. Like reluctant to work with him, so I'm wondering uh, if that is a good thing or a bad thing that Anderson has it. Because I still feel like he is also up to some nefarious things. Uh, so I think that will be a intriguing thing to watch unfold. Um, I really, as you mentioned, it was a really good fight sequence. Great location that they chose. Um, you know, they, like visually, um, the CGI was some questionable in some parts, but I did like uh, just the open vast tundra. And um, I think the biggest thing I was we see is steel like. How are they going to defeat Bazaar, I think, is the biggest question and will be interesting. Um, You know, he clearly easily defeated two of the man-made Superman people and and Superman and and um, Irons didn't held up well. So is this kind of the case of where the big bad is too powerful? Kind of like in the Flash, everyone's faster than Barry and then Barry has to learn how to be fast. Like, is it where they have to learn how to get stronger than this already strong guy? Or is it, again, tied to that necklace maybe if they figure out how to work on that, they can weaken Bizarro. So I think there's a lot of opportunity to explore uh, this story. so it'll be really interesting to watch.
1: Good grief. If Superman starts huffing that yellow mist, I I might have to vomit. Professor, talk to me about everything from Bizarro to Steel, getting hurt in a big way, the necklace, uh, the, the Superman dying, or at least two thirds of them dying in a very simple way, I should say, like Anderson was like, "Oh, I got my people, and they got their neck snapped in like five seconds uh, what's your take on all of that
2: oh, well, there's going to be some you know some obvious consequences what's interesting about it is that you know this is entirely on Anderson you know there's no way in which he can logically blame superman for this uh you know because superman said the kids aren't ready don't send the kids out call me anderson sent the kids out didn't call superman and two of the kids died um and you know there's really no way around that and tag was there experienced the whole thing and will report should report you know exactly what happened um so you know anderson has to deal with the consequences of this and uh, i'm curious to see you know we we've talked about you know Uh, He's he's I think he's been played, you know, sort of sort of morally ambiguous, not overtly mustache twirling evil. Um, You know, will this push him in one direction or the other? I don't know. Uh, I think that that will be a really interesting payoff. And that's something I'm really, you know, regretting the fact that we have, you know, two weeks off that we won't find that out. Uh, I think it was a great fight scene. I mean, you know, if, if you were the you know, any of the other Arrowverse shows sort of watching that, you must be thinking, well, they get the money for this. I mean, we're using CGI that looks like crap and they're doing this it uh yeah, it just looked you know uh um, yeah, yeah much more like a movie than like an Arrowverse show, so I thought it was you know a great fight scene, um you know, seeing uh, superman really you know haul off and uh, and, and punch the guy and uh, you know and and then you know literally punch him into space um uh was a great payoff of that uh i I love the fact that you know tag was the one who survived and and had the the foresight to you know grab whatever that thing is because that's obviously you know uh, important and uh, the other thing that i really liked about it was that even earlier in the episode uh when we saw because we we've only experienced the attacks that clark has been having from clark's point of view to realize that you know bizarro is having the same attacks essentially so there is this psychic link between them what is the nature of that psychic link um to understanding bizarro's origins uh but you know it, it i think they are doing a great job of, of you know raising a lot of questions and, and certainly raising the stakes um you you mentioned you know the the natalie and and irons uh angle to that i really worried well actually i still think it might happen um earlier in the episode when uh, natalie was talking to her father about you know rebuilding the suit and everything like that um i'm i'm I was thinking at the time, and the only problem with this is the fact that, you know, Marple's already done it, but I was thinking about, you know, Ironheart, you know, this is a Riri Williams situation you know uh super genius black teenager creates a high tech battle armor and wears it to uh, to fight the bad guys um so I could totally see that happening um you know and again, so Natalie is there you know on the base with her father, maybe you know she's talking to Anderson and she says, "Hey, you can give me the technology I need um so right okay. now she's angry at Superman, but you know maybe she'll be angry at Bizarro instead uh, and channel that in that direction so I don't know this really felt like. like an episode that was setting things up um you know for future resolution and and i think that's going to be a big resolution you know irons is presumably out of it for the time being his armor has been shattered his hammer has been shattered um you know so he's not going to be there as an ally does that mean that natalie will step up and and do that herself or will her resentment against clark prevent her from doing that I don't know. It's it's really kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, this was this was very much one of those setting things up episodes where you know we'll get the payoff for this weeks down the line.
1: Okay. And speaking of setting things up, because you are much more comic book knowledgeable than uh, Millie Wood and myself, Professor, the necklace does that have a comic book origin? What could that be? Was he siphoning power off of Superman?
2: Uh, yeah, your thoughts on on that that's not comic book accurate that is uh, now. There is a little element there that you know Bizarro uh, often wears you know uh, you know a, a necklace that says Bizarro on it. Uh, you know he's 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 sometimes presented more as a character of of fun uh, than as a serious threat, but other times he can be a serious threat. No, the gem seems entirely different. Um, was it siphoning power? I don't know. There was no indication that Superman was getting weaker or sensed himself getting weaker. Uh, and certainly when he got pissed off, he, you know, did not seem to be weakened in any way. Um, I would think it's, it's just some sort of, you know, a, a manifestation of their, you know, psychic connection, um, you know, uh, and whatever's going on and, and we did get, you know, the, uh, the, the reversal element here. We saw, you know, previously that he seems to have freezing vision and heat. And we saw in this episode, he has heat breath. So I think what they're going to have to do is, you know, basically a paradigm shift. They're going to have to find out what the equivalent of his kryptonite is. Um, is he getting his power directly by, you know, siphoning from Superman possible, but, um, it, as I say, I, there was no indication usually, you know, uh, in these shows when, you know, one of the heroes is going up against someone who siphons their powers, they are weakened as a result. And there was really no indication of that, uh, in the fight. So I don't know if it's as simple as that.
1: Okay. All right. I can dig it.
2: Okay. Also the fact- doesn't have the uh, the stone anymore. Does that well? Does that mean that you know Superman won't be experiencing those uh, those psychic things anymore? Does that mean Bizarro doesn't have any powers anymore? Uh, I don't know. But as I say, they're just you know introducing a lot of things that we won't get the payoff for until after the Olympics.
1: Yeah. Oh, Olympics.
2: I'm generally a fan of the Winter Olympics, but in this particular
1: case. Well, there you go. So. It's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Professor, you may start. Who's your MVP and why?
2: Um, gotta give us Tyler Hecklin. I, I think, you know, his portrayal of Clark was great, but also his portrayal of... Uh... Uh, of, of Bizarro, well, let's just call him Bizarro, even though he hasn't you know, officially been named. You know, the uh, the ticks, the, uh, the 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 different posture, the way he carries himself is, you know, without, you know, making it a really big thing. It's, it's, it's very clear that the physicality of it, this isn't just, you know, Superman with, you know, a goth makeup job. This is, you know, clearly a different figure that carries himself differently, that moves differently uh, and and does everything. Uh, differently and I think that a lot of that comes down to the the physicality of uh, of Tyler Heckland's uh, performance. Yes,
1: he's playing creepy very well. Millie Wood, what about you? Who's your MVP and why?
0: I'm going to go with maybe um, not normal choice but I will have to go with Allie Alston. Um, I just really liked her, like what Dash is doing. Um, I think she's playing this villain for Lo- Lois really well um, and you know if she got Chrissy to buy into her to drink the Kool-Aid then I mean that's definitely props on her there because you know, as mentioned Chrissy is a very intelligent person so for Ali to be able to have a way with words in that way and just again the way everything's going about is just really interesting and she's fun to watch
1: alright okay maybe if the Kool-Aid was like blue raspberry I might chug it as well because that's tasty It's like the best flavor. I'm just saying. Uh, all right. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, my top choice was not selected and, and uh, I'm, I'm excited. Um, I mean, usually I love me some Lois and Bitsy Tulloch was fantastic, but Jenna Dewan was awesome in this episode, giving us a new iteration of Lucy Lane. Lucy Lane, who is hella deep in this cult and uh, the betrayal. The betrayal, the betrayal, the betrayal was so juicy. The way she played it, Chef's kiss, fantastic. I'm here for whatever they're they're doing with Lucy. I do hope that she gets saved. Like I don't want her to die. So I hope something good ends up happening with the storyline. But uh, and, you know, until we get there, the journey I think is going to be fantastic because uh, Jenna Dewan seems to be ready to play. So now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of one to ten red capes? The point system is loud, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a ten, you may archive the episode in the Fortress of Solitude. Milliewood, you're first. How would you rate this episode?
0: I think that a professor kind of said the best. This is putting a lot of pieces in motion. There was a lot of I think like kind of plot movement or plot arrangement going on. So it was a very solid episode for that reason. And and to see like Lucy's return as well was enjoyable. Um I enjoyed it. I don't know if it was like, rewatchable just because there's so much drama there um, and a lot of dumb decisions, so I'll have to give it an 8.3.
1: We got an 8.3 from Millie Wood. Professor, what about you?
2: Uh, I'm going to give it a 9. I agree that it's not rewatchable right now, but once we find out the consequences of the things that were set up in this episode, it might be a situation where you want to go back and look at it again in retrospect. And, and, you know, take a look at how they were putting the pieces in place for how things would eventually pay out. But uh, I found it, you know, even though I, I, even though I don't think I'd want to sit down and watch it again necessarily, I was absolutely involved and, and riveted. And I think, you know, it was, it was very well done.
1: Yes, I will agree it was a well-done episode. It was engrossing. It was, yeah, I was on the edge of my seat at times because, um, yeah, I mean, a lot happened in this episode. It was a dark episode. Um, it was... Maybe a setup episode, we'll find that out as the season progresses. I'm going to come in with an eight and a half. I, I think that's the appropriate number for me, at least. Uh, a solid hour, maybe not immediately rewatchable, as, as both of you have been sort of saying, but uh, still, uh, you know, a really good hour of television. And everybody did a fantastic job in the cast, even though some of their, uh, some of their decisions were a little questionable. And on that note, join us next time for our brand-new installment of the Smallville Gazette. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us.
0: Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Small Hill Gazette and subscribe.
1: Thanks, announcer. My co hosts please wish the listeners a good night starting off with the professor. Good night everyone. And Millie Wood. Good night
0: listeners if you want to follow along on Twitter it's at the Asian Nerd.
1: Thanks for tuning in. A quick programming note as we've been uh, discussing, uh Superman and Lois will be going on hiatus for the next 2 weeks due to uh the Winter Olympics. So we will be going on hiatus as well. We will be returning uh, in exactly three weeks on the 23rd of this month. Download new episodes of the Smallville Gazette every Thursday via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the Poppy chula Radio Archives. Good night. Mm-hmm.